0: Before we begin our sermon today, I'd like to take a moment to uh, offer a special prayer for, for fathers on this Father's Day. So here's what I want you to do. If your father is here today, I want you to be able to put your hand on him as you pray. If your father has passed or is not here today, you can place your hand over your heart as we remember them and we thank God for all fathers today. Let's do that together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you for our fathers. We thank you for their strength, for their love, their jokes, the things that make each one of them uniquely our dad. Lord, I ask that you would bless and keep the fathers here. Keep them in your care. Clothe them in your kindness. Give them your wisdom, your grace. Guide them and support them as they love and serve their families. Lord, I thank you for all the fathers and for the father that we have. And we thank you, Lord, that you call us your children and that each one of us can look at you as our perfect, true, heavenly father. So bless these fathers, Lord, and keep all of us in your care now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're again going to look at Mark chapter 4. Last week we looked at two parables about trusting in God and if you listen to uh, my sermon on our St. John's uh, podcast, a little little, uh, promotion there, because I was in the auditorium, I mentioned how the parables were all about learning to trust in God, how we must trust in God and our God, how God is faithful to each one of us. And today... We see that the disciples and our Lord Jesus take a boat trip across to the other side. And honestly, I feel like there's a dad joke in there somewhere about the other side and the disciples being chickens because they get afraid, but I couldn't make it work. Someone else is going to have to write that one this morning because I got nothing. Really, I think it's because I haven't hit that dad peak yet. I'm not wearing my clean white sneakers. I don't have my polo tucked in and I'm not wearing any cargo shorts, but... If there is a dad who is rocking anything close to that uh, outfit right now, sir, can you please stand? (laughs) Don't be hiding. I know you're out there. You were gonna get an extra Chick-fil-A card if you did, but we'll just assume that you're gonna change into that when you're out of your church clothes and you get home. But let's get back to it. And uh, man, I really had something special there. None of you are wearing that. Some of you are making eye contact with me and being like, I'm wearing it, but I'm not standing up. And that's fine. (laughs) Now, even though our text today is one we probably heard before, there's a lot to unpack in only seven verses. So let's, uh, Bible's out if you got them, or you can follow along with me as the words appear on the screen. It's also right there in your bulletin. Uh, Let's dive in and see how the word of God engages us today. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. Now, Hector, you can lead that slide up for me. Let's do a little context. Remember, Jesus had been teaching uh, the people with parables all day. And it had been a long day. He'd been doing it from a boat. Because the crowds were so large that they were pushing against them. And now evening had come and they're going to cross the Lake of Galilee. Now for you dads out there, that's about 13 miles long at its longest point and about 8 miles wide at its widest point. And if you were the one giving the disciples directions, you probably would have done something like this. All right, fellas, you're going to row for about seven minutes. When you get out there, you're going to see a rock. Ignore that rock. Just keep going past it. Now, when you see the hill, when you're about even with it, it has a big tree, a little tree to the left of it there. That's when you know you're really going to want to veer to the left there. You know what? Let me just draw you a map. Or maybe that was just my dad giving me directions all my life when I was driving. and I'd be passing the McDonald's being like, am I supposed to remember the McDonald's? I wasn't. I was supposed to go past it, but I knew the McDonald's. Anyways, like I said, you're probably familiar with this story. And to sum up, we're probably about five miles from the shore. And I'd heard this story before, maybe you had too, but I'd never picked up on that just as he was. Do you see that there? Third line, last couple words, last line almost was, he had finished teaching, Jesus had, probably tired, probably hungry, needing some rest. He tells the disciples, let's go. They push off and go. Nobody goes and gets him anything. They just took him out as he was. And I'd like to pause here for a second. I wonder if we do this do we take Jesus just as he is or do we want Jesus not as he is but as we think he should be do we find ourselves wishing Jesus would do a little more for us be a little bit more lenient on us do we prefer the Jesus who changes to suit our needs and does what we want when we want rather than the Jesus That is. Or maybe worse, do we let others present Jesus to us, meaning we don't really know Jesus. We haven't spent time in prayer with him, haven't been in the word ourselves. We're just content with Jesus who is six degrees of separation away from us. Last week I talked about how hard it is seeing others get what we don't have or being healed when we are not. Do we see Jesus as the one who does for others but never does for me? And this is hard. It's hard to see Jesus as is. It's hard because it requires us to surrender to him. To allow Jesus to be Lord and not us. It's hard because our Lord comes to us as the one and only way, truth, and life. Not as a way or some truth or part Of our life. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus as He is. No relativity or current way of thinking or seeing things here, just Jesus as the truth for our lives. The way we are to live and the way we are to be and the people we are is not for us to choose, but is just as Jesus has taught us. And that is hard hard to hear, hard to surrender, hard to take it as is. But I would ask you not to reject his way, his truth, or his life, and stick with me just a little bit longer in this text and see Jesus as is. A furious squall comes up and the waves break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. I googled that. That's a place in the boat. Sleeping on a cushion, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we perish? Now I always thought that they were just really, really scared and that's their only reason they called on Jesus. But I think I'm confusing that story with the one where he's walking across the water and he's a ghost. And then they're truly terrified. I saw it mentioned in the commentary that they're more than just scared here. They're also frustrated with Jesus. I mean, they're working hard. They're bailing out the water in the ship. They're trying to navigate the storm, and Jesus is just sleeping. I get that. People sleep when I got to do work too. That can make me a little frustrated. Not you, my love, wherever you are, sleeping in. You sleep in as long as you want. But I also get the feeling of what it's like to be left alone, to have to deal with everything. The feeling of, isn't God supposed to have my back? And now he's what, sleeping, doing something? Has he forgotten about me? Feeling like so much of what has been good is now gone. I feel like we got all this worry and maybe a little anger. And everything is just getting a little bit too much, just weary and tired. When does it end? When, does it, when is it our turn to go sleep in the stern? Because that's where Jesus is here. He's sleeping. And he's the one who wanted to cross the lake in the first place. He's the one who promised to work all things to our good. And yet, here we are in this storm. Why does it feel like God is so indifferent here? Jesus gets up, rebukes, which is the same word and phrase that he used to the man who was demon-possessed in chapter 1 of Mark, by the way. Rebukes the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The wind dies down and is completely calm. Says to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Ask this question not because they woke him up. Ask this question not because he doesn't understand that they were worried or that they were working hard. The question comes because of what Jesus had said to them at the very beginning of our text. It was Jesus who said, let's cross the water. Let's go out into the Sea of Galilee, which is known for, and the Lake of Galilee, which is known for its sudden violent storms. And it was Jesus who said and promised, we're crossing over to the other side. He said they were to cross. And the one who calls them and the one who calls you is faithful. He will surely do what it is that he has said, what he has promised. Friends, this isn't some story about a storm and a really cool miracle. It comes down to whether or not you have faith in what Jesus has said. This is the living example of everything that he has been teaching the people on and giving those parables on. That the kingdom of God will not be stopped by storms. The kingdom of God will come at the very word of God, or should I say, by the word of God made flesh, who has come into the storms, entered into the mess with authority to be your Lord and your Messiah. See, we mess up following His ways and we fail to follow His truth and we fail to live our lives, but all that noise, all that fury, all that waves and winds that are coming crashing down will not have the final say. And if you have lost your way, whether that's from storms or pain or choice, let Him rebuke that. And let him gently pull you in close with the question that cuts to your heart. And friends, even if you can't see it or it looks like you're going to capsize or maybe you already have, he will make a way to you. And if you have been confused about truth and whether that's from storms or others telling you what's what or pain or choice, let our Lord rebuke that. And know that he pulls you close. Friends, he didn't just rescue his disciples when he calmed that storm, but all the other little boats that were out there on the lake as well. And he did not do it because they had it all together. He did it because that is what your Lord does. He comes to those who call on him. And that is the truth that Jesus gave His life for you, not so that you could live yours however you wanted, but so that you could live eternally with Him. He loves you. He told the disciples they would cross to the other side. Did He not say something similar to you in your baptism? Did He not say that all that would prevent you from coming to Me, I will take care of? Did He not promise that those who have been baptized into His names have been baptized into death and into His resurrection and have crossed over from death to life? Did He not say in your baptism that you belong to Him now? Not by your choice, not by your works, but by Him. And friends, that is the hope that we have today. The restored hope of Jesus Christ as is. The one who said in this world you will have trouble but take heart for I have overcome the world. The one who has promised you that your life may not look exactly as your neighbors and it may not be all rainbows and butterflies but it certainly will be abundant. This text charges us by faith to believe in him and by faith know that in every storm and every challenge whether we are awake or asleep we have his presence We have his blessing. We have his peace. We have his word. We have his spirit. We have his grace. We have his truth. We have his heart. And you better believe we have his victory. And he will calm every storm. And I don't know how, and I can't promise it will be in this life, but I can promise you that it will always be worth it to live by faith and trust in what our Lord says through each and every storm. I want you to take a moment just now and close your eyes as I read to you from Hebrews 11 where the author has just listed heroes of the faith, the great clouds of witnesses that surround us. And then he says, all these people who were still living by faith when they died, they did not receive the things they promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham believed that God would even raise the dead, and so on a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each one of Joseph's sons. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because he was no ordinary child. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known of the Pharaoh's daughter. Chose to be mistreated. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea. By faith the walls of Jericho fell. By faith the prostitute Rahab welcomed the spies and was not killed. And what more shall I say? Shall I list the members in our congregation who have been praying for and who have still not experienced healing? Shall I list those who have passed and gone before us? By faith they lived. The author here says he doesn't have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and all the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flame, and escaped the edge of the sword. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, And so that only together, with us, would they be made perfect. That is our faith. That whether or not we see it or experience, we hold to what Christ Jesus has done for us. We hold to His promises that we will cross to the other side. And we will do it together in community with the Lord and with one another. We are not in any storm alone, but we are together. We have come to be with the one who saved us, and we do that together. For only in him and with each other's love and support can we be with great endurance, withstanding, as the epistle said, beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, and whatever else comes our way. Only by His grace and the Spirit and the sincere love we have in Him and share together can we know and bear witness to being known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet living, broken yet not destroyed, having nothing, yet having everything. More than conquerors in Christ Jesus who loves us. Text concludes and says they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And that's when I realized that this is totally a good Father's Day text because this must be how my kid feels when she hears a strange noise and I grab the bat and I go outside and she's like, who is this dad that even the rats and the bad guys would run from him when he's holding his bat? But I digress. Because the disciples ask a second question. Who is this? This. Who is this God that you would believe in? That you would come to worship? Who is this God that has done for you what you could not do for yourself? This. This is your Jesus. Your Jesus. So Dr. My, Dr. Heidi, my friend, will you please go to the organ? And let us stand and sing in response to what our God has done, asking Him to take our hand and lead us wherever He will. And then we will confess who this Jesus is.